Hallelujah. All right. Well, we can have fun in church, can't we? That's awesome. All right. Third John, verse 2. Third John, verse 2. Let's read it together. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Let's, let's read it together. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. How many of you know it's the will of God for us to prosper? How many of you know God wants you to be prosperous? God wants you to walk in health. God wants to bless you. How many of you have children or family? Okay, is that the will of God for you? I mean, is that your will for your family? You want them to prosper. You want them to be in health. But you also want their soul to prosper. Yeah? And then John 10, 10. Look at, look at John 10 and verse 10. John 10 and verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So that abundant life includes you and I prospering and walking in health, but we do have, there is a thief, an, an enemy of our soul, that, that's aim is to, is to rob from us the blessings that, that God intends to give to us. Did you, did you see that? I mean... God wants to bless us, and many times it's the enemy that has stolen from us, and we're, we are, or some other people are, blaming God. But how many of you know, God is good. The devil is bad. Everybody say, God, good. good. The devil, bad. So if good stuff comes into my life, who gave it to me? If bad stuff comes into my life, who brought it? Okay, let's not confuse the two. Amen? After 36 years of ministry, I know I don't look that old, but I started when I was two. <laughs> In 27 years as a pastor, helping people as, as pastor... Bob Nichols does to walk in God's best, I've identified some primary enemies of prosperity that actually play into the devil's hands and plans to steal from us. The children of Israel, God had a promised land for them. Did He not? And, and that promised land was flowing with milk and honey. But it also had enemies in the land. And their job, their responsibility, was to drive the enemies out of the land. The children of Israel never drove out all of their enemies. Therefore, they did not fully, completely possess all the promised land, all of their potential inheritance that God had provided for them. Isn't that true? Now, there are some enemies that are squatting. There are some enemies that are, you know what squatters are? They just come in and live in a place that's void, that's vacant, 
Nobody's taken possession yet. And they just come in and squat and they, they possess that until, until someone dispossesses them. Until someone runs them out. There are enemies that are squatting on your prosperity. <clears throat> there are enemies that, that, are, that are just waiting for you to run them out. But some of us have even believed that was God. Well, if the enemy's there... Well, I guess it must be the will of God. Well, I got news for you that God didn't send enemies to steal from you. Amen? God wants to prosper you. And He wants you and I to fully possess what He's provided for us. So today and tonight, I want to talk to you about the enemies, enemies of prosperity. I want to talk to you about things that, that, that can steal from us what God's intended blessings in our lives. For those of you maybe guests to our house, we just want we want to give you the right picture of God. That He doesn't mind blessing you. He doesn't mind you having money. He doesn't mind you having an abundance. In fact, let me just let me just explain this to you that that God doesn't just want you to have enough. Look at um, I don't have this in my in my notes, but. Uh, so I'm going to jump ahead of what the, what the uh, guys have back there. But just look at 2 Corinthians 9. just want to read this verse to you just to tell you what God's will is for your life. How many of you know the Bible is the will of God? Listen, the reason why you need to re read the Bible is not to get uh, brownie points with God that, you know, I read so many chapters. There is treasure uh, in this book that God has hidden for you when you find out what belongs to you, then you can say, oh, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine, and you drive the enemy out. Amen? Off of your land. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And He's talking to you. Say, this, this verse is speaking to me. He's able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, not most of the time, not some of the time, everybody say always. always. That you always, having all sufficiency, now let's stop there, what is the will of God? That you would always have enough. All sufficiency just simply means enough. That you would always have enough, that's the will of God. And... Uh, uh, in all things, may have an abundance to every good work. So, so here is the will of God for you. Everyone here that's in this building, here's the will of God. If you're born again, you love God, or if you're not born again yet, uh, at the end of this service, you can come into covenant with God, relationship with God. Here's His will for you, that you would have enough. Everybody say enough. enough. And extra. Yes. Say enough. enough. And extra. And so, is it enough for you just to have enough? God wants you to have enough in what? So that you could do what? So you could abound or to every good work so you could give. So you could do things for others. Not just so that you would do it, do it uh, you know, just uh, focus it on yourself. God wants you to have enough and extra. So, is it enough for you just to have enough? So I want to encourage you the next time the enemy... Uh, faces uh, brings lack into your life and tells you that you know well you know you're not going to have enough 
I'm going to encourage you not just to pray for what what your need is. I'm going to encourage you to pray for double. Amen? I want you to pray for enough and extra. Say enough and extra. It's not just enough to pray for enough. That's selfish. I said that's selfish for you just to pray for enough. God wants you to have enough in what? So that you can be a blessing. God wants you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. How many of you want to be blessed? How many of you want to be a blessing? Okay, then I want you to let God expand your heart that it's not just about me. God wants to bless me so I can be a blessing. Will you make room for that? How many of you will make room for that? Then I'm telling you, if you'll make room for that in your heart, God will bless you. What I want to talk to you today about is enemies of prosperity. Enemies of prosperity. These are things I discovered that hinder people walking in enough and extra. Okay? How many of you want all that God has for you? Okay? He doesn't, just, he doesn't want you just, you know, getting saved and just barely getting by in life and, you know, taking a vow of poverty. None of that. No, man. It, I'm telling you, it takes, takes a lot of money to get the gospel out. I mean, it takes, it takes money to buy more buses. It takes money to, you know, take care of buildings. It takes money to do anything God's called you to do. If you're going to do something great, then it's going to take finances, and you've got to, you've got to get rid of the enemies off your land so you can have enough and extra to do everything God called you to do. Amen? So enemy number one, enemy number one is blindness. Blindness. It's a failure to see who God is and what kind of father we really have. And it's usually a result of family or life experiences where, you know, you were raised in a, in a perf- uh, performance-driven or a works-oriented environment where you grew to believe you could never do enough to earn your father's love. Or, or maybe you've been brought, you were brought up on on a barely get by street? You, you been there? I, I was raised there. Uh, right, right next to Hand Me Down Avenue. <laughs> you know where that's at in your city? <laughs> I was raised there. I was, I was the oldest of five children raised in a single parent home and I never had enough. I never had enough to take uh, to buy my lunch at school. And so I took a sack lunch, and the bullies many times, would they knew how to go in and pop those lockers open, and they'd pull my sack lunch out, you know, half of the time, and they'd pull out of that sack lunch whatever they wanted. And sometimes I'd go hungry. And then four or five nights a week, John, I had goulash. You know what goulash is? Yeah. <laughs> My mom heard me talk about this one time and she thought I actually still liked goulash. I mean, it's just noodles and maybe if you had a little meat and whatever vegetables you had and beans and you just threw it in a pot and sometimes whatever you had. And then, and then you know, we would, then we ate it one night and the next night it was, it was leftover goulash. Goulash. 
And man, I mean, I was, I was raised, I mean, I was so poor, I couldn't even pay attention. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have money to do, I, didn't have, I never had extra money, but I, I man, I just, I was in, in poverty in Houston, Texas. And, and I, man, I said, God, if you get, man, if you would show me, you know, how, you know, to, to get out of this, when I, when, I, when, I get it, when I get to a certain age, I'm leaving home and I'm going to go out and make money. Of course, then I was ruled by a spirit of poverty because I feared not having enough. And I'll share a little bit about that, uh, about my wife and my testimony later. But see, I, I was blind to the fact because of my experience, it, it, my experience painted a, a wrong picture in my heart about who God really was. That He's a good God. And just because I experienced that, it wasn't His will. Remember, who is, who, who is it that comes to steal? It's the devil. To kill and destroy. And so that's, because I was brought up like that, that's what I saw. But I'm telling you, your experience is not greater than the Word of God. And your experience is not God unless you let it be. Amen? Or you may have experienced some financial failure. You stepped out and, and you tried to go into business or something, you know, or maybe you had a bankruptcy. Well, you know, big deal. I said, big deal. Look, are you breathing? Do you have life and blood in you? Man, I'm telling you, God is a God of the second, third, fourth, fifth chance. Amen? Man, Abraham Lincoln failed ten times. Man, uh, Thomas Edison failed a thousand times creating light that we're enjoying today. I'm telling you, failing doesn't make you a failure. All it does is get you one step closer figuring out what doesn't work. <laughs> Say, I'm not a failure. I'm a success. Getting one more failure behind me. Amen. But too many, have, too many of us have allowed our experiences to shape our view of God and His willingness to shower us with favor and blessing. And then we develop a poverty mindset that there's not enough for me and my family because of what we experienced. Look, I'm sorry about what you experienced, but I'm telling you, God's got something better for you. And, he, and that something better is enough and extra. If you'll get a hold of this message and you'll get rid of this enemy of blindness and you'll see God the way He really is, you can open your heart and see that what God has for one, He has for you because He is no respecter of persons. It's enough and extra even for you, for you, for you, for you. Say, God... Deliver me from blindness. Open my eyes to see you as you really are. Man, He's a good God. Amen. And each of us need to receive a personal revelation of His love and His care for us to bless us. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't follow God because they really, they really believe a lie some, somehow that, you know, well, to follow God means you've got to take some vow of poverty and you just gotta, you just got to live... You know, just barely get by and all that. That's not the will of God. 
I said, that's not God. That's not God's will for you. Hey, does that sound like, does enough and extra sound like that? Look, God's will for you is to have enough and extra. Psalm 35, 27 says, And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Does God, what does it say? Is that true? Leave that up there for a minute. Is this the Bible? Is this true? Is this true? Why, why do you think He's telling you to shout for joy and be glad? Why do you think He's telling you that? Because He's saying, look, let God be magnified because He has pleasure in prospering you. He takes pleasure in that. How many of you have children? How many just love for them to be broke? You just love, come on, how many of you love for your children to go hungry? Anybody love for them to be broke and go hungry? I'm looking around here. Let me see the hands. You, love for your, you just love for your children to be broke and hungry and go without, not have enough clothes, not, not have to live out on the street. How many of you love that for your kids? Anybody? Somebody look around here and tell me. Do you see any hands up? Okay, are you telling me then that you are a better parent to your children than God is to His? There's not one hand in here who has any children who wants that for their children. Then do you think that God wants that for you? Well then quit believing a lie on God. Don't tell me, don't tell me that you're a better parent to your children, that you want them to, how many of you want your children to have enough and extra? Okay, your father is a better, a better father to his children, which is you and me, than we are to our own. Isn't that true? Hallelujah. So this, this scripture here, when it says prosperity, it means it's the Hebrew word Shalom, which means to be well, uh, Jim, it means to be happy, to be friendly, to walk in health, to be favored, to be at peace. If our own children's welfare, success, favor, and peace give us pleasure, how much more our Heavenly Father and does His pleasure toward you and me? All these things that He wants us to have. Do you know one of the Lord's name is it names is El Shaddai. You know what that means? The many-breasted one. You know what that means? More than enough supply. He never runs out of provision. I mean, you're not, look guys, you say, you just don't understand my need. Right now I'm $50,000 in debt, $20,000 in debt, $100,000 in debt. Well, you know what? Man, that's, your, your debt is not going to bankrupt heaven. I got news for you. God's got enough. <laughs> I said God's got enough and more than enough provision to meet your need. Amen? Jesus, see Jesus, when He walked the earth, He lived in this light of, of the Father, in the light of, of, of this view of the Father's provision. And you know what that allowed Him to do? It allowed Him to believe that when they ran out of wine at the, at the wedding, that, that, that he could turn water into wine. It, when, when they only had five loaves and two fish with 5,000 
uh, men plus women and children, which is probably 15,000, 20,000 people, that he didn't, he didn't curse the five loaves and two fish and say, it's not enough. What did he do? He lifted it up, he gave thanks for it, and he blessed it, which may be something, an indicator for you. Maybe what you, do, maybe what you have in your hand right now is not enough to pay your bills for the week. But you know what? Instead of cursing it, you ought to thank God. Thank, maybe you have a $1,000 need, but you can lift up what you have with that 50 or that 100 and say, Father, I thank you. you can if you can multiply five loaves and two fish and feed 15,000 people, then Lord, you can, you can multiply this $50, $100, and you can meet my needs. And I'm declaring that my life is going to reflect a good God who, pro who provides abundantly enough and extra. And God's going to give me new glasses today. I'm taking off the glasses of poverty and lack and then barely getting by. And God's giving me a new view today that he, I'm His child and He wants me to have enough and extra. Hallelujah. If you know your Father loves you like this, and you know His resources are unlimited, then your days of lack are over. I'm telling you, your days of lack are over. But each of us must allow the Holy Spirit to develop a vision on the inside of us that we're favored, that we're loved, that we're blessed, that we're adequately provided for, because of my Father cares for me, not just because I have a certain amount of money in the bank or what I don't have in the bank. I don't look at the bank account to determine whether I'm blessed. I look at my God. Amen? And I'm I don't care what I have or don't have. I have my Father. And I can tell you this, God will give you an idea that can make you a million dollars if you won't be selfish with it, if you'll, if you'll bless others with it. I was, my wife and I were in a bad way one time, financially. You ever been there? We were there. I mean, we were two weeks past due on our rent. You remember that, honey? She remembers. She'll, she'll confirm. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I was in a, I was, we were between, uh, I was between assignments at the time, and so I had a, uh, between pastoral assignments at the time, and so I had, this, uh, I had this business that was a consulting business and it was feast or famine. You know what I mean? I, didn't get, I, I only got paid whenever, they, whenever I got my commissions came in. And so I had, you know, man, I mean, I was sweating it because I, I had no money. About $2 in the bank, I think, and we didn't have rent. And I mean, we had to, you know, buy groceries. And so, man, I'm sweating it. You ever done that? We were sweating, and so, um, so I'm going. I'm, man, I'm praying. God, I'm going to church Sunday morning. That's a good place to go. So, man, I'm going to church Sunday morning. I want to hear word from my pastor. It's going to help me, you know, get through this crisis because, man, you know, I got at the time. What do we have? Do we have all four children then? I don't, yeah, we did. We had four little children, and man, you know, and 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 they're not they're not worried. But man, I'm fretting. I'm, I'm worry-warting God in prayer. You ever done that? 
And I mean, I'm praying and sweating and not believing. I mean, I'm kind of trying to believe, but you know. And so I get to church on Sunday morning, and, this, and the pastor, he, he invited a woman preacher. Well, I had no, no problem about women preachers, but the problem was I wanted to hear my pastor. Man, I was kind of ticked. Maybe you wanted to hear your pastor this morning and hear this guy is, is here, you know. And uh, so, and, and I, but I mean, you know, John, I needed to hear God. And so this woman gets up and she opens her Bible. She starts to speak a message. And then she, she says, wait a minute, I've got a word for somebody here today. I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. And turn over there, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. She just read that verse. She said, if any, if any provide not for his own, and especially for his own house, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Man, I warmed my heart. I'm thinking, boy, that's... That's really what I need to hear this morning. But then, no, she turned it and she said, wait, wait, wait. Somebody is feeling condemned because they're not able to do this. But I want you to know the word I have from God is He said, in fact, pull that verse back up if you would. He, he said, he lived, God lives by this verse too. God, live, what, God lives by this verse too. Whoa. Man, I didn't hear anything else she said. Wait a minute, go back to, go back to 1 Timothy 5.8. Put that up there. God lives by this verse. God lives by this verse. Does, does, he, does he keep his word himself? He, he said, he, he, he said that... Um, <clears throat> He said, I'm not an infidel, son. I provide for my own, and you are my own. And I will take care of you. I'm not an infidel. I take care of my own, and you are my own. Now you stop sweating it. Whoa, man. And I started, David, I started repenting. I said, my unbelief and my worry and everything else was un unconsciously, I was attributing to God that He wasn't faithful to me. And man, you talk about setting this boy free. I'm telling you what, I went home, I told my wife, you feed the kids, I'm going with whatever little food we have left, I'm going in the bedroom and get this thing right. And man, I spent about an hour and a half, two hours in there praising God, worshiping God, saying, and repenting, you know, simply adjusting my heart to say, Lord, uh, you're faithful. And, and, and I am your own, and you take care of me. So I, my job isn't about worrying about it anymore. You already know what my need is. Amen? And so I'm just, I'm just going to praise you. Hallelujah. I'm just going to praise you. Hallelujah. I'm just going to praise you, Lord. 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 
Man, didn't you, didn't you feel funny dancing? Man, I started skipping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In my back, man, nobody, didn't you feel silly doing that? Nobody else was around. I was just doing it before God. Well, I got out of that bedroom. Man, I had joy. I had peace. I had faith again. Faith works by love. Understanding God loves me. And I, I had a new vision in my heart. God lives by this verse too. And if I'm His own, and He's got abundance, and He takes care of His own, then my days of lack are over. Amen? I got a new vision in my heart. Now, Paul, I didn't have any more money in my hand, but I had a new vision in my heart. Then that was Sunday. On Wednesday, we got two huge checks that were enough and what? Enough and what? Enough and what? And let me tell you something. What God did for me, I, man, I wasn't anybody that anybody knew. I wasn't famous. I, I, wasn't as, I, I wasn't walking in all the anointment that I am today. I, no, man, look, I was just His child that needed to get a new vision that my God, my God loves me and that I'm His own and He will take care of me. And listen, I don't care where you are today. God brought you in here today to hear that same message that He loves you. He cares about you. You're His child. His heart breaks when, when, you know, when, when you're going through all this lack and all this, all this problem and all this stuff. And all you've got to do is get a vision like I got that day. Your heart filled with the fact that, listen, God lives by that verse and you're His own. And He's not an infidel. And what He did for me and my wife, He'll do for you today. I said, He'll do it for you today. But that's an... Amen? Amen? Praise God. Give God a shout for that. Man, if I didn't, if I didn't say anything more, that's all you need. That's, that's an enemy that just got dro driven out of your land. Your days of lack are over. You just turn to this verse and say, My Father, you live by this too, and I'm your own, and you take care of me, and you're not an infidel. And then you just start jumping and skipping and shouting and praising God, and I'm telling you, God's provision will be abundant to you. Yes? Enemy number two. Enemy number two is fear. Everybody say fear. Second Timothy 1.7 For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. The greatest fear related to money is the fear of not having enough. We already talked about that. The spirit of poverty fuels and feeds off that fear. And fear will motivate you to do all kinds of things. Did you know that fear will motivate you to do the wrong thing and make bad decisions related to finances? You know, fear, and two things fuel uh, the, a natural economy, and it's, it's fear and greed. Tonight we're going to talk some more about greed because it's an enemy, just like fear is. Are you with me? 
And so if you want to be blessed, see, you've got to drive the, if you want to walk in real prosperity, then you've got to drive these enemies out. It'll, you know, fear will motivate us to do all kinds of unreasonable things. It will, it will cause us to hoard money. My wife and I, when we've been married now 40 years. She was 12, I was 13. <laughs> Not really, but we were young. We were babies. And, but right after we got married, you know, I mean, I had this, I was obsessed because of my, the poverty I was raised in, I was obsessed with success. And in the natural, I was very successful. We had a large wholesale florist business in Houston, Texas, and we made lots of money. Every Monday morning, I would go to the safe deposit box and count $100 bills. That was my, that was my security. Now, now, don't try to find my safe deposit box today. It doesn't exist. I have money, but I don't, I don't go there to count $100 bills. And, but that was my security. Now, my wife, my, my wife and I, and I would, but, but I enjoyed spending. And I would go spend money. My wife enjoyed, enjoyed hoarding money. And we were both ruled by a spirit of poverty. And so, uh, so every time we moved, about every two years or year and a half, we moved. And whenever we moved, it was a great day because I'd find stashes of cash all over the house that she stashed. One time, $2,000, two grand. Hallelujah. But we had this, yeah. But we had this, we had this, I mean, our relationship was good, except she, she was fearful that I would spend money, and I was fearful that she's going to stash it. And I'd never find it. I mean, I bought her a coat one time, really nice coat, and then she went, she went and took it back to the store. Give to the poor children in China somewhere. Like, you know, really that's going to help. You know, like we couldn't give. that. She couldn't have that coat or something. I, I got mad. I took my, she gave me a coat. I took it back. I didn't give the poor children in China. I put it in my stash of $100 bills. <laughs> but, you know, we just had this, we, we, we lived in fear. We were ruled by fear. Fear will, call, will motivate you to make decisions that are, that are outside of God's provision. It's an enemy. Look at your neighbor say, he's talking to you. It's an enemy. It's bondage. And God has since painted a picture in our hearts of abundance. M my wife, God showed her when she was a little girl. She was so hungry one time on a farm in, outside of San, San Antonio, Texas. She opened up the refrigerator and all there was was a stick of butter. And she was so hungry, she ate that stick of butter. But what, what she didn't realize till the Lord showed her later, when she ate that stick of butter, along with it, she believed a lie that there's not enough. And I want you to know, later as, as we spent time in the Word, and that's why I'm sharing this with you today, I, I know you've experienced, several of you have experienced things like that. Different experiences, but all the same 
purpose, the enemy sent that to you to, to tell a lie on God. That He's not abundant provider, that there's not enough for you. Well, I want you to know that there would, God, God created you in your mother's womb. He created you and He designed you with a purpose. And with that purpose, there's a calling on your life and, and there's enough and there's extra. There's enough wisdom. There's enough finances. There's enough people. There's enough education. There's enough favor. There's enough houses. There's enough purses. There's enough shoes. There's enough clothes. There's enough food for you and your house. And we got a hold of this verse, 1 John 4, verse 18. Yeah, somebody got a hold of that enough shoes anointing, didn't you? Huh? You got enough, you got a hold of that, didn't you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we, we, do, we do silly things, Teresa, like, like make decisions about whether we're going to have children by judging whether we have enough in the bank to take care of them. I got news for you. If God gives you a child, He's already got enough provision, past, present, and future for everything they need. Are you with me? Hallelujah. 1 John 4.18, let's read that. 1 John 4.18 For there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out what? Because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made mature in love yet. You know, you know the problem with the enemy of fear? We haven't got a revelation yet how much God loves us. How much He really cares for us. And again, if you have your, your own children, you know you wouldn't withhold anything from them, would you? That was, that was reasonable. Amen? You know, man, the fear will cause you to rent a false lifestyle by over-obligating yourself in debt. It'll cause you to do all kinds of things. But we need a revelation of God's love. Now, Genesis 15, verse 1. I want to just tell you this one story, and then we'll go on to the, to the final point. Genesis 15, verse 1. Uh, this is the story of Abraham. After these things. Everybody say, after these things. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. After these things. Craig, what were these things that had just happened that caused Abram to be tempted to be afraid, that caused God to say, Abram, don't be afraid because I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. What was it that happened? Well, in, in the chapter previous, he tithed. He gave the first tenth to God through Melchizedek. He gave first. Then he left reward on the table with all these kings that, were trying, that wanted his allegiance and wanted to connect with him that could have been construed as Abraham, Abram looking to, to them for his provision, but nonetheless, instead of God, but nonetheless, he left a lot of money on the table. So that these things that had just happened 
had to do with his money, had to do with his giving. And now he gave a tenth and then, and then he left reward on the table and now God's saying, uh, Abram, don't, don't be afraid. Don't fear. I'm your shield. I'm your shield. I am your shield. I'm your shield, Abram, from lack. I'm your shield, Abram, from poverty. It's not what you hold on to. It's not what you hold on to that shields you from lack and shields you from poverty. It's what you give to God in your heart and in, in your obedience to the Lord that shields you from lack and shields you from poverty, shields you and protects you from not having enough. He said, look, if you'll, if you'll trust me with your finances, then I will forever shield you from not having enough. And I will forever cause you to be abundantly, exceedingly rewarded. I will abundantly, exceedingly take care of you if you'll trust me with your money. See, finances and giving and tithing and all of that is just a trust issue. It's not a money issue. It's a trust issue. Amen? The real issue with giving and all that, it's not our money, but it's our trust. For Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God has your heart when He becomes your treasure instead of your money, instead of your bank account, instead of your possessions. Psalm 34.22, and none of them that trust in Him will be desolate. When we believe that when we give to God first, God can do more with 90% than we can do with 100. You test Him and you prove and you'll find out that that's true. It's not what I hold on to that protects me from lack. It's not what I hoard that, that causes me to be protected from a day that the, a rainy day that there won't be enough. It's what I give to God in trust that protects me and causes God to be my great reward. Can we trust Him with every part of our lives? Can we trust Him even with our money? You watch and see the moment that my wife and I begin to do this with our, with our finances is the moment we begin to break through into abundance. Amen? Enemy number three. Is this okay this morning? I've got the airport in sight. We'll have a smooth landing in just a moment. If you'll listen and keep your seatbelts buckled, amen, God will change your life. Enemy number three is strife. Strife. Look at your neighbor say, he might be talking to you. I don't know. You just, he just might be talking to you. 1 Peter 3. Let's read a few verses together. 1 Peter 3 and, um, and verse 7. We'll read 7 through 11. 1 Peter 3. You see, guests, let me tell you something. You know what's important? The Word of God is what will change your life. 
and will give you a new focus and will give you new vision, will give you new purpose. The Word of God will literally change your life. And so First uh, Peter 3, and when we'll begin to look at verse 7, Husbands likewise dwell with them according to, uh, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as a weaker vessel, being heirs together. Everybody say heirs together. Of the grace of this life, that your prayers be not hindered. Notice that your prayers be not hindered. Then verse 8. <clears throat> Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Verse 9. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, what? Blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may what? Inherit a blessing. Would that include, would that include financial blessings? Certainly it would. Verse 10. For he who would love life, how many of you want to love life? How many of you want to enjoy life? How many of you want to see good days, not bad days? How many of you tired of bad days? How many of you ready for happy days? Hallelujah. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Verse 11. Let him turn from evil. Let him do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Strife hinders prayer. Strife in relationships hinder financial blessing. Strife hinders you and I receiving our inheritance. Strife hinders you and I experiencing good days and abundant life. Now, now let's go back to that first, one of the first verses we read that, that uh, the thief comes in John 10, 10, the thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And in 1 Peter 3 here, he's, he's telling you how that happens. Listen, the enemy comes through strife. But if you don't yield to him, if you run him out, if you run him out, you will have abundant life. How many of you know abundant life is better than no, no life? Low life. Poor life. Poverty life. And James 3.16 says, Where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. Now I know we haven't thought much about this, but... Strife is a major enemy to prosperity that can stop the flow of blessing in your life. And I've observed this principle and discovered it to be true in my personal finances and in churches that I've pastored, in businesses that I've run, in organizations I've been involved with. If my wife and I experience any major financial crisis or downturn, we begin to first of all check our relationship and make sure we're not pulling against one another. Make sure even attitudinally we're not, we're not pulling against one another. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, your wife tells you what you, what you need to do and where you need to go and, and if, you're not, if, if you're not going that way, you know, then, then we put the brakes on. Like one guy said, my wife is the best, absolute best driver in the whole world. She can drive from any seat in the car. (laughs) 
Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It's good for us to hear from our wives about what's on their heart. But then after you share what's on your heart, uh, do, a little, do a little anointed move called zip it. I know you want to say something, but bite that tongue. It's going to get you in trouble. All, all you guys said? There's a few wimps still out there. No, listen. It's important that you talk to one another, hear one another's heart, but then, listen, darling, let your man lead. Let him lead. And then, man, let me tell you something. Husbands, where are you at? Let me see. Where are you at? Take your dress off. Throw your purse away. Put your big boy pants on and be the man. Man, I'm feeling the anointing on that one. Now listen, let, let, I understand some, some guys are dominating and controlling, and I know there's exceptions, okay? But I'm talking most of, all, most of us, we really want to please, don't we guys? And we want to hear. You know, what, you know, but it's just like, you know, well, where do you want to go to eat today, honey? Well, I don't, I don't care. Where do you want to go? I don't care. Where do you want to go? I don't care. Where do you want to go? I don't care. My God, would somebody just lead? And, and just, look, now I just, look, is there anything that's off, it's King's X for you today? That's all I want to know. If you don't want Chinese today, you don't want Mexican food, you don't want this, or you, you just tell me what that is, I can make the decision. But then when he leads, ma'am, don't tell him, well, you know what, I was really thinking about going over here. Come on! I said, come on! Listen, you know what the real deal is? Though I, I would hate to be a wife because, not just because I'm a man, <laughs> I would hate to be a wife because I've got to put my, my uh, destiny in the hands of an imperfect human being. But let me tell you, let me tell you, I'm going to, have to give you some wisdom here. Let me tell you what's more important than your husband making the right decision. It's you guys being together even if he makes the wrong one. How many of you have ever been in a G, had a GPS system in your car? You ever, you know that? I was in the UK one time and this nice little British lady came on and said in a, in a half a mile, turn right. In a, half, in a quarter of a mile, turn right. In a few yards, turn right. And then, you know, this guy knew a shortcut and he went on and she got stern with him. Make a U-turn. And he didn't do it. He knew a shortcut. After a while, she got silent. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> you know why most men are not willing to lead? Because they're not willing to suffer one cold shoulder night.
Anyway, <laughs> so this lady comes back on after a while. Becky and says, uh, recalibrating. And she recalibrated right back on track the shortcut that the guy knew. Let me tell you something. If a GPS system, a navigation system, can, if you make a mistake and pass the wrong turn, if you, if you do that, it can recalibrate and get you right back on track. Do you know the Holy Ghost can do that for you? Can I, can I tell you that you cannot miss the will of God if you don't want to? But you know what's more wrong than your husband making a wrong decision? Is you putting the brakes on and nagging him after he does. Good preaching, Pastor Greg. Hallelujah. Take the brakes off. Take the brakes off. And the Holy Ghost will recalibrate and get you right back on track. You cannot miss the will of God if you don't want to. Because even if you make a mistake, if you're, if you're looking to God and you guys are together, it's more, it's more gooder <laughs> for you to be together than it is for you to be right. Strife is an enemy even if it's just strife in your heart, strife is an enemy that will rob you of the blessings of God. Somebody, I did not have this in my notes, somebody is here today who needs to take the brakes off and who needs to apologize to her husband. And somebody is here today who needs to put his hands back on the wheel and say, thank you, darling, for your counsel, but let me drive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to drive this enemy of strife out of the land. You know, the other thing I've discovered over the years, Philip, was that when I, and of organizations that I either pastored or led, if we ever had a long term, uh, uh, you know, prolonged spirit, uh, financial downturn or, or, you know, financial crisis over a long period of time. You know what I did? I checked to see if there was strife going on in the organization. He, he led me to examine relationships in the church or in that organization. And I would just check things out. I would say, I didn't automatically attribute that that was going on. It doesn't mean, if you're, if you're going through a financial downturn, it doesn't mean automatically that that's what's going on, but I check it out. Because what am I after? I'm, I've got to drive strife out of the land. It's an enemy that will stop the blessing of God. And so, you know what, I just check and see, is there any obvious division or conflict among, among key leaders? Present is anyone? Uh, is everyone on board with the vision of the house, especially in leadership? Is someone introducing a different vision within the house? Because two visions equals division. Is there any murmuring or complaining, belly aching, bad attitudes that have manifested among staff, key leaders, or a group in the church, a subculture in the church? 
And you know, I don't go in there and beat them over the head with a Bible. I just, I just call them in and, and we just have a five-minute come-to-Jesus meeting. You know what that is? Um, do you want a blessing in your life? Do you want blessing here? Then you know what? We need to get on the same page. We need to be, we need to be together. Our hearts need to be knit together. We need to be flowing together, not pulling apart. Not pulling apart. And not murmuring about it. The 1 Corinthians 10 Verse 10 says, Neither murmur ye, as some also murmured, and were destroyed by, of the destroyer. I don't want to be destroyed, do you? I don't, want my, I don't want my financial blessings destroyed. It's not enough, guys, for us to just tolerate the vision of the house or direction of the house. We've got to celebrate it. So God, you sent me here. So if this is the direction pastor's going, then you know what? Man, I'm, I want you to help me celebrate this. Maybe he promoted somebody to a place in, in leadership and you were maybe maybe you were secretly wanting that position yourself. You need to celebrate that. Celebrate it because God's the one that'll get your promotion. And the most important thing that can happen is that God gets your heart right. Strife will stop the blessing of God dead in its tracks. And then we justify because we're right. I, I tell people about marriage. You can be right or you can be happy. If you don't agree with something that's going on, first of all, pray. Then, second of all, you know, uh, if you do need to address it, submit it with respect and leave it with a pastor or ministry leader. It could be a ministry leader that you're working with. Only com the only complaints that are legitimate are upline, not downline. And if that leader doesn't hear it or doesn't make the changes, listen, you've submitted it, you've shared it with a good heart, now throw your heart back into the ring, all in. That's between them and God, and I'm all in. Say, I'm all in. I'll throw my heart into the ring. I'm all in. I'm not all in. You know, if everybody thinks everything lines up with just the way I want it to, if you're doing that, you're, you're, you're like that wife in the back seat trying to drive from the back seat. Fighting over the, which direction to go. You're not trusting God. That's the bottom line. Amen? Commit it to God. Take the brakes off. Follow, follow with all your heart. Determine to celebrate. Not tolerate your leader's vision. Many times... Guys, this is what happened in our church situation. Organizations that I've led, many times after a few heart checks, a few come to Jesus meetings, <laughs> focused on, you know, to remove strife, our church experienced a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit and financial blessings in, 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 our, in our lives, in our church. Just because we, we dealt with that. Now listen, it doesn't automatically mean, financial downturns don't automatically mean that there's strife in the camp. But you know what? I'm going to check it out. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to make sure. We've got to find out. Our heart's right. Amen? That we're flowing together. That we're moving together. We don't have the brakes on. And God's about to do a new thing. In fact, He's in the midst of doing a new thing here at Calvary Cathedral International. And you know what? What it requires is us being all in. Take the brakes off, flow together. How many of you want the blessings of God?
Amen? Praise God. Let me tell you something. God's a good God. And what He's done in the past, He'll do again. We'll just commit to Him, follow Him, flow with Him. Tonight, I'm going to finish this message uh, as much as I can, and we're going to have the leaders of the house are going to help me pray over you. And I want you to, to bring with you just it could be your checkbook, it could be something that you really believe in God for, because here's what I heard God say. I need my people to experience new financial breakthroughs. To do what I want to do in the earth. I need them to experience it. And we're going to just, you know, whatever it is, because what's happening and what's going to happen throughout today and even beyond today, you're going to recognize enemies that have been squatting on your financial blessings. You're going to run them off. We're going to agree with you when the leaders of the house agree with you and pray over you tonight, the breakthroughs are going to, breakthroughs are going to manifest. Amen? Praise God. I said breakthroughs are going to manifest. And, and let me tell you what I'm not going to do, okay? What I'm not going to do, I'm going to ask Mark not to receive an offering from me after that. Okay? He can, he can, if he wants to receive something before, but here's the deal. Here's what God's already showed me. You guys already are giving. You've already been giving. You, you've given enough to release the breakthrough. What we as leaders are going to do, we're going to agree with you, and that breakthrough's coming. Because you've already been given. You've been given and given and given and given and given and given and giving and giving, and now it's time for breakthrough. But we're going to run, what we're going to do is agree with you. If there's any enemies that the Lord shows you, now if, if everything's good and, and you say, yeah, I've checked this out, my land's good, that's fine. Then we're going to agree with you and you're going to experience a breakthrough. And if there's something that you desire God to do financially for you, then we're going to come, we're going to agree with you, and God's going to do that tonight. I want you to be here tonight. Amen? Is this okay this morning? All right, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. How many of you got a glimpse of a new picture of God's will for your life today to be blessed financially? You don't have to feel guilty for, for having enough and extra anymore. God wants that for you. If He would do that for Janice and me, He'll do it for you. And you know what? We've been experiencing that. Now we're blessing. We're able to give. We're able to you know, go. We're able to do things. We just came back from Russia. Slava Boga. Hallelujah. And we just, man, praise God. God's sending us all over the world. There's enough and extra for you to do whatever God put in your heart. But let me tell you how it all starts. It all starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. It all starts whether you've been born again or not, you might be like me. I was, I was, a, I was born again for three years, but I was, do, I was living life singing with Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. And you might have been, you might have been trying to direct the, your life, trying to make things work, and things aren't working. Let me tell you, life doesn't work you directing it yourself. It all starts with surrender. You may have been born again. You may have gone to a children's camp. You may have gone to a youth camp and responded. You may have come down and had an all, responded to an altar call at some time. But <clears throat> there's one more response that's needed for you to enter into the blessings that God has, and that's a surrendered life. And say, Lord, I surrender all to You. I belong to You, God. See, He takes care of His own if His own will let Him. And today, 
The call is coming out, going out. I want to bless you. Will you let me? I want to provide abundantly for you. Will you allow me to do that? Will you say yes to me? Either on this invitation, say, uh, Pastor Greg, I don't even know if I'm born again. I don't know. If I died tonight, I'm not sure. If my heart stopped, I'm not sure whether I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not sure. I don't have peace with God. Pray for me. Pray for me. Number two, you say, I'm sure, but um, man, my life is not, my life's been a mess. I've been, I've been trying to do things my way like you did, Pastor Greg, for three years. Well, I'm telling you, life doesn't work that way. And it just comes by you surrendering to the Lord afresh and anew and saying, Lord, I'm all in. I'm accepting you as my Lord and Savior, but I'm going to let you direct my life because I want your blessings. And number three, you know, maybe, maybe you're, you've just got some destructive habits that are trying to tell you, you know, forget it. You can't serve God with, that, with this going on in your life. You can't, you can't serve God. You're, you're just a hypocrite. You can't lift your hand and, and respond to the Lord because you've got this or this or this going on in your life. Let me tell you something, ma'am. Let me tell you something, sir. Hallelujah. Amen. Here, here's someone responding to Jesus right now. Amen. Isn't this awesome? Praise God. Thank you, sir. You've got, you've got this or this or this going on in your life. Maybe you're dealing with pornography or maybe you're dealing with some addictive behavior. Listen, those problems are not your problem. They're just the symptoms. Those things are just things you're using to medicate the pain in your heart. If you'll just, if you can't overcome those problems by focusing on the problems, you overcome them by coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I surrender my life and I'm not pursuing those things anymore to medicate my pain. I'm going to let you heal my heart. So, on either one of those invitations, you're not sure if you're born again, but you want to be. Number two, you know you were saved at some time, but you've been driving the vehicle of your own life and, and it's taking you nowhere. Number, number two, number, number three, uh, you've got destructive, uh, addictive behaviors that, that uh, you haven't been able to overcome. God's got freedom for you on either one of those cases. If that's, you, if that's here, I've got good news for you. God's got freedom for you. He's got blessing for you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. As Mark said earlier, He loves you. Those things aren't going to keep you from God, so don't let them. I said, don't let them. So would you all bow your heads with me for just a moment? If that's you, on either one of those invitations, uh, that I need to, I, I, I need to make sure I'm, I'm saved, number one. I need to come back to God and surrender my life totally to God. Or I need to surrender all, all of my addictive uh, behaviors to God and, and let Him heal my heart. On either one of those invitations, if that's you, lift your hand real high. I, I just want to pray for you right where you are. I see that hand. I see that hand. see that hand. Thank you. 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 Thank you, sir. Thank you. All, all over. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Man, God's moving in this house. I'm telling you, He's so pleased with the fact that you've just you've recognized your need for Him. I'm telling you, He's going to move mountains for you. 
He's going to move mountains for you and you're going to experience the presence of God and the provision of God like you never have before. One more time, I'm looking across the building. If you didn't lift your hand on either of these invitations, but you wanted to, you didn't lift it yet. Say, Pastor Greg, I want to know for sure that I'm saved. I want to come back to God and surrender totally to Him if you've not been yielding to Him. Or you want to surrender uh, your lifestyles to the Lord, your, your behavior, so that God can heal your heart. If that's, if that's you, lift your hand again. Or, or for, for the first time, uh, while I look over the building, I see that hand. Others of you, I see that hand. That hand, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Praise God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Hey, I want to ask you to do one more thing. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls. I'm telling you, that rest includes prosperity. It includes peace. It includes joy. Everything that you need in life that you've been trying to get on your own. And all you, all you need is a response. All he needs is a response. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to but didn't, I want you to do one more thing. I want you to stand up right now and come down here to the front. And I'll let me pray for you. Come on down. If you lifted your hand, come down front and let me pray for you. Come on. Come on. Come on down. Let me pray for you. There's several more. Come on. Let's give them a good hand. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come on, friend. Come to Jesus. Would you come to Him? Would you respond to Him? He's a good God. He's got wonderful things for you today. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, come to Jesus. Oh, He loves you. He wants to bless you. Amen? Come on. Hallelujah. Man, there were a few more that lifted their hands and you didn't respond yet. Let me tell you something. Jesus loves you. He loves you. Yeah, He loves you. Isn't this awesome? I said, isn't this awesome? Listen, He loves you. He's not mad at you. You know, you know what kept me for a long time coming to the Lord and responding like this? It was my pride. Can I just tell you, it's my pride. And especially us guys, you know, we got, we're full of pride. God, God's dealing, would, would you humble yourself and come? Come on, would you humble yourself and come and respond to the Lord? Amen. 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 Praise God, I met... I met little Lewis here. Is it little Lewis? I met little Lewis before the service. Now, is, is this mom? Okay, come here. Now, isn't, it, isn't this going to be awesome that little Lewis is going to have a brand new mom and dad? Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Little, little Lewis, des he deserves to have a mom and dad that serves Jesus, doesn't he? Amen. Because then they can train him up in the ways of God and he won't ever have to experience the poverty and lack and sickness and disease and all kinds of stuff that we've had to. Man, he deserves it, doesn't he? Let me tell you, so do you. Amen? Praise God. Isn't he awesome? 
Father, we bless little Lewis. We bless his life with abundance of peace and health. And we declare, Father, over him, uh, Lord, you created him in his mother's womb. And Father, you've, you've already provided for him everything he needs. All the help he needs, all the education he needs, all the finances, the clothing, the sports things that he needs. Father, I just, I'm just speaking over this child that he is going to change the world. Father, you've given him superior intelligence and you, you're going you're gonna to cause him to be a great influence. You're going to give him creative ideas, Father, to change nations, to start businesses, Father, to support ministries. And little Lewis, you're going to be awesome, man of God. Amen. Praise God. Now, one more, one more thing before we pray for these. Would you help me and reach out to someone next to you and say, listen, uh, I'll walk down there with you. If you're supposed to be down there responding to the Lord, I'll walk down with you. Would you look to your neighbor on the, on the right or the left, just be a good evangelist and reach out to someone and say, hey, if you're supposed to be down there, I'll walk down there with you. Would you do that? Come on. Come on, be a good evangelist. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Look at that. Praise God. Praise God. You know what? The Bible says, the Bible says that there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. It didn't say the angels are rejoicing, though they probably are. There's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. You know who that is? That's God the Father. That's God the Son. And it's probably some of your family members that have gone on to be with the Lord that prayed for you. Might be your mama there. Amen. What is your name, sir? Kenneth Wilson. Kenneth Wilson. Was your mama a Christian, Kenneth Wilson? Does she know Jesus? Is she, is she what now? She passed away. Do you know what? Did you, did you know what, Kenneth Wilson? That I'm to, the, the Bible says that there is a great cloud of witnesses in heaven watching us run our race. And I believe that God's going to get across to your mom there that, that Kenneth Wilson has, has made a decision to follow Jesus and run his race. And she's going to be doing a little jig up in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. You've given joy to your mama's heart and to Jesus' heart, Kenneth Wilson. You're awesome. Yeah. And I made a promise that I was going to come today, and I've been looking for him. And, and, and you know, Kenneth said he made a promise to several people. Okay, tell them. Uh, see if you can get close enough here. Just tell them. I made a promise to, uh, I can't remember when they was downtown, and I was talking to a lady and a man, and they were one of them white, and it was a black lady. But I made a promise. She gave me the jacket off her back when it was raining, and I wanted to see her today because I made her promise. Praise God. And, he, and Kenneth is here because someone ministered to him, and she gave him her jacket. If you're here today, is that you, ma'am? Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now, doesn't that bless your heart? Yeah. Amen. 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 And he, and he came here. Now you didn't come on the bus. No. You just bus made it here. Sunday, I just had to stop. 
You walked here. Man, Kenneth, let me tell you something. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what's happened in your life. You, you've had a tough life, okay? But I'm telling you, your, your, your bad days are behind you. You've got good days in front of you. God's going to bless you. He's going to bless you with good jobs. He's going to bless you with favor. He's going to bless you. You're, gonna, you're not going to have to walk uh, all your life. God's going to provide you with a car. And then you know what else? What else? You're going to do like this woman did. You're going to be reaching out to others. You're, you're an evangelist, Kenneth Wilson. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome, guys? Listen. All these people are down here not because, you know, I'm such a good preacher. I mean, I'm not bad, I know. <laughs> but it's because Randy and other people got a vision to take up pastor's heart and just reach people. Isn't this awesome? Isn't it awesome, Craig? Isn't this awesome? Praise God. Amen. What is your name? Barry. Barry? Catherine. Are you guys together? Are you all married? No. Okay. All right. Let me tell you something. Uh, you've tried it your way, but I'm telling you, as you follow Jesus, man, you, you guys are going to be frontline uh, leaders in the kingdom. I'm just, I'm telling you, 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 God, you, God's called you to leadership in the kingdom, and the best way for you to grow your, and fulfill your potential as a leader, this is a great start to make Jesus your Lord, but you hook up here in this church, and then don't let yourself get offended Okay, these aren't wings on our, our backs or shoulder blades. Okay, and some people, they're not going to, not everybody's going to just do everything perfect. Okay, but you stay hooked in and keep your heart right and you, you keep your eyes on Jesus, not on men. And the, the place that God has for you guys in the kingdom is just awesome. I see you as leaders in the, in the kingdom of God. Do you accept that? Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. Praise God. But you need to learn and you need to grow. And you need to trust, okay, the leadership here. It's awesome. Man, I'm telling you, God loves you guys. Man, he's, he's so blessed that you're here today. What's your name, sir? Nelson. Nelson, I'm telling you what. Man, your life is going is to do 180. Man, your life's going to do 180. God, you've had a desire to see prosperity and I'm telling you, you're going to see prosperity, but it's going to be God's way and not Nelson's way. Amen? Praise God. Let's lift, let's lift one hand to heaven where our help comes from. Okay? And put one hand on your heart. And say, oh God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that He paid the complete price for all of my sins. Past, present, and future. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Say it out loud. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I have nothing more than I can give you than my whole heart. But today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I'm not, I'm, I'm repent of depending on myself. I resign as the boss of my life. And I'm following you from this day forward. I thank you for your blood that washed away all of my sins. And I'm forgiven. I'm saved. 
I'm delivered. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm put in